Welcome to this month's special programming series, Focus on Cancer, on ReachMD XM157. Radiofrequency ablation is a promising tool in the battle against metastatic liver cancer. Is this a treatment option your patient should consider? You are listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I am your host, Dr. Mark Nolan-Hill, Professor of Surgery at the Chicago Medical School, and with me today is Dr. Alan Sipperstein, Vice Chair of the Division of Surgery, Head of the Section of Endocrine Surgery, and the Director of the General Surgical Residency Program at the Cleveland Clinic. Dr. Sipperstein is well-published in several of the specialty areas, including thyroid, parathyroid, advanced laparoscopic surgery, thermal ablation, and endocrine tumors. Welcome, Dr. Sipperstein. Thank you very much. Today we are discussing the radiofrequency ablation for metastasized liver tumors. Well, Dr. Sipperstein, let's review a little bit. What kind of tumors actually are found in the liver, both primary and secondary? Well, the most common primary tumor is hepatocellular carcinoma. It's a much more frequent disease worldwide due to the incidence of hepatitis, which is the inducing factor for most of these tumors. Unfortunately, it's becoming much more common in the United States. Really, we are seeing an epidemic of this disease. The most common metastatic lesions to the liver, number one, are colorectal metastases. And these are lesions that are addressed either surgically or through chemotherapy. Our colorectal metastases Other tumor types that metastasize to the liver, particular academic interest of mine, are neuroendocrine tumors. These are particularly interesting because the patients don't suffer so much due to liver replacement by tumor, but rather by hormone hypersecretion. And then there are a long list of other tumor types that we have to deal with as surgeons. These would include sarcomas or breast metastases or other tumors. And generally, which are the most common? The tumors that we see the most are colorectal metastases by far. It's unfortunately a very common disease, and because of the portal blood flow, has a very high rate of metastases to the liver. Now, when we talk about radiofrequency ablation, what exactly does that mean? Well, it takes a little explanation because the term itself is somewhat of a misnomer. Radiofrequency is really only part of the term. It should really be called radiofrequency alternating electrical current because it really is electrical energy that is used to do the heating. And this is the exact same type of energy that surgeons use in the operating room for their cautery. But opposed to treating a very focal area, that is just cauterizing a blood vessel to stop bleeding, it is applied over a spherical volume of tissue to, in essence, heat the cells to the point where they die. To use common parlance, we cook the tumors as well as a surrounding margin of normal liver tissue so as to destroy the tumor and hopefully any invading cells at the margin. So it's not a type of laser procedure? Not at all. And people often don't quite understand what the energy source is because it's a misnomer. But it's good old-fashioned electrical heating that gently warms up the tissues to the point of cell destruction. Well, why should we even consider something like that when we could surgically resect these lesions? Well, the types of patients that are treated this way are patients who are not candidates for surgical resection. And which ones are those, sir? For colorectal metastases, and this has to be uh, specified somewhat separately for each tumor type, obviously the preferred method of treatment is surgical resection. It's time-honored. The common phrase out there, it, it is the best chance to cure a patient. Unfortunately, only a small percentage of patients 
maybe 15 to 20% are really candidates to have resection. And that's because the patients may have multiple tumors within the liver, so technically it is not possible. Sometimes the location of the tumor makes resection very difficult. The patient may have significant disease outside of the liver, and in that case, we don't resect the patients. And other patients have other medical comorbidities, heart disease, cirrhosis, such that they may not be candidates to undergo resection and therefore require a less invasive means of treatment. Does multiplicity of the metastatic deposits within a single lobe of the liver contraindicate surgical intervention? In general, no, if they can be technically resected. The difficulty is that the metastases tend to be randomly distributed. And very often, if you were to technically resect each of the lesions, then the patient would be left with very limited hepatic reserve. And particularly, these patients often need ongoing chemotherapy treatment, and that further reduces their ability to receive additional chemotherapy. If you have just joined us, you are listening to the Clinician's Roundtable. I am your host, Dr. Mark Nolan-Hill, professor of surgery at the Chicago Medical School, and with me today is Dr. Alan Sipperstein, vice chair of the Division of Surgery and head of endocrine surgery at the Cleveland Clinic. Today we are discussing radiofrequency ablation for metastasized liver tumors. Dr. Sipperstein, what is the difference between radiofrequency ablation and cryosurgical ablation? The principles are similar in that you change the temperature of the cells until they die. With radiofrequency ablation, heat is used, and it causes, in essence, a dry protein coagulation necrosis. With cryoablation, metal probes are placed into the liver, and cooled gas, typically nitrogen gas, is pumped through them, in essence, to freeze the tumors. There are advantages and disadvantages of both techniques. The disadvantage of the freezing method is that when the tumor tissue thaws, there is a release of a lot of the intracellular contents into the circulation, and that can cause a what's called diffuse intravascular coagulation, change in the coagulation parameters. The patients can often bleed and have other untoward effects. In general, in the United States and other countries, most surgeons who performed cryoablation previously have switched to radiofrequency ablation because it can be employed much more safely because there is just dry coagulation necrosis of the tissue and not an acute washout of this intracellular debris, this DIC phenomena is not seen. Now, how do you protect the contiguous hepatic tissue from thermal necrosis? What's interesting about this technology is it allows us to punch out or ablate very clearly defined volumes of tissue. So the ablation catheter itself is positioned within the tumor, usually under ultrasound guidance, which means we can really position it within a millimeter or so accuracy of exactly where we want to punch out this sphere of ablation. And therefore, other vital structures within the liver, such as the main bile ducts, can be avoided when this procedure is done surgically, either open surgery or my preference doing it laparoscopically, contiguous organs can be moved out of the way. Occasionally, if the zone of ablation would encompass the gallbladder, the gallbladder can simply be removed. You said you could do this both laparoscopically and open technique. Yes. It's interesting in that when we first reported the technique to be done laparoscopically, there was some initial resistance within the surgical community. Why is that? Because at that era, laparoscopic surgery was just evolving as a technology, and there was a concern that 
laparoscopic surgery in patients with cancer had certain risks. There were some early reports of tumor cells spreading to the port sites, the little openings in the skin. There was some currently unfounded concerns that it promoted cell growth or implantation in some way. These concerns, in essence, have disappeared, and laparoscopic surgery for cancer, in particular colorectal cancer, removing the primary tumors, has become very, very popular. But at that time, there was some concern about doing this laparoscopically. The advantage I saw in doing that is that these patients have undergone surgery for their primary colon cancer. They have undergone subsequent chemotherapy. They unfortunately have developed new or continued growth of their liver tumors and are faced with some very serious treatment options. And to be realistic, we have to look at balancing the aggressiveness of our therapy with the patient's quality of life. The advantage of doing this laparoscopically is the patients go home the next day with fairly minimal discomfort and within a few days really are back to their usual quality of life. If they are put through an open surgery with laparotomy, they're in the hospital for more days, they're more likely to have wound healing problems and pain recovering from the surgery for weeks to a couple months that, you know, really impacts the quality of life in patients who, unfortunately, may have more limited lifespans. After you perform the radiofrequency ablation, that necrotic tissue and that dead space that is left, does that ever get secondarily infected? Very interesting. That was one of the first major concerns in that we are leaving significant volumes of necrotic tissue and what would the risk of secondary infection or abscess formation be. Across a number of studies, including our own, that rate is about 1%. It's surprisingly low. And the reason is that the tissue is a dry type of necrosis. It's very well insulated from the surrounding tissue and gets resorbed over a period of time. So that has actually been a very rare complication, fortunately. Now, by the way, how long has the radiofrequency ablation procedure been around? Well, we performed the first laparoscopic case in January of 1996. So it's a relatively new type of procedure. And long-term studies of the effects on patient survival are just now coming out, and obviously one of my major clinical interests. And what are those long-term effects on survival? Well, we recently published a paper where we looked at the survival of patients over a 10-year period who had undergone this treatment. And the real question initially for us was, could we do this procedure safely? And was it effective at what we call local tumor control? That is, if we treated a tumor in the liver, did that tumor stay under control? Well, the answer to both of those questions was it was a safe and it had a high evidence of local control. The next question is, what impact does the treatment have on long-term survival? I mean, that really is the endpoint that we're looking at for our patients. For ethical reasons, it was not possible to design a prospective randomized study because these are patients who had failed chemotherapy, and it would be unfair to randomize one group to get a treatment that we knew was effective at local control and simply watch the progression of disease in the other. So what we've had to do is compare our results to, in essence, historical controls. And what we found was that in a group of patients, and these were over 200 patients who we had followed for up to 10 years, we found that their overall survival was two years from the time of treatment. And if they had received no other treatment, realized they had already failed chemotherapy and had progression of their liver disease, almost no patients would have been alive at two years. 
Another way to analyze the data is how many of our patients were alive at, for example, three years and five years. And the answer is about 20% were alive at three years and about 18% at five years. So it means that we have a significant number of patients who are really what we would consider long-term survivors. I want to thank Dr. Alan Sipperstein, who has been our guest. We have been discussing the use of radiofrequency ablation for metastasized liver tumors. I'm Dr. Mark Nolan-Hill, and you have been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Be sure to check out our website at www.reachmd.com, which now features on-demand podcasts of our entire library. For comments and questions, please send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening. Listen all month as ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals, as we feature a special series, Focus on Cancer.